Hello, everyone, and welcome back once again to the Cathedral Sport Podcast Football Show, hosted by myself, Ash. And ladies and gents, what football show would it be without my co-host, the newly turned 40, yes, 40 folks, the right reverend, Bobby Love. Bob, life begins now, doesn't it, mate? Uh, apparently so, yes, Ash. Uh, I will tell you if I can ever get back out the house again uh, to enjoy my going into 41st year on the planet. How's yourself? Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, I'm absolutely fine, mate. Yeah, um, did a lot of podcast stuff today. Very, very busy day at the Cathedral Sport HQ, so to speak. Right, guys, this show has been uh, sponsored by the 1934 Club of Musselburgh Athletic. That's the supporters club of Mussy. Thank you very much, guys, for your support of us. Really, really appreciate it. Right, what have we got in store for you lovely people tonight or today, wherever you may dwell on this planet? We'll be discussing, uh, discussing sorry, the UEFA Nations League, Scotland's playoff hopes against Serbia, the EPL power grab by the top six, or six certain clubs, so to speak. The top EPL clubs hoarding players. And we're going to go back to that debate again, folks. We are hashtag let fans in. We return to that debate as there are plenty of things to talk about in that one. We are going right back to that. There's uh, plenty of issues that we need to bring up with that, so to speak. Right, straight to the Nations League, Bob. Results round up. Scotland, 0-0 draw with Israel in the playoff semi-final. Scotland progressed by winning on penalties and will play Serbia away Next month, uh, followed up by a 1-0 home win against Slovakia. Another poacher's goal by Lyndon Dykes. That leaves Scotland top of the group. And as we speak, from what I saw about 10 minutes ago, Scotland were 1-0 up against the Czech Republic. So it's all looking very, very rosy at the minute for Steve Clark's men. Moving on to England, a 2-1 home win against Belgium. Top-ranked side in the world. So that's not bad, is it? Rashford with a goal for England. They come from 1-0 behind from an early Lukaku goal. And then Mason Mount with a... Really weird goal, so to speak. Um, deflected off a defender, sort of went above the roof of Wembley and dipped in. So, uh, but England fans, hey, take that. Yeah. Beating the best team in the world, top of the group. However, England, as we speak now, are 1 0 down at home to Denmark. And that man, Maguire, has been sent off after half an hour uh, for a second bookable already. So, we'll speak about England in a bit. Wales and Ireland in the same group. Uh, Played out a board draw, nil-nil. Wales still top, Ireland in third. Northern Ireland, decent result in Bosnia. 1-1 draw, but then losing at home to Austria by one goal to nil. That leaves Northern Ireland bottom of their respected group. Bob, I'm going to talk about England first because we don't really, we know, we talk about Scotland a lot, which we're going to do again, but we're going to speak about England. Um, now, beating the best side in the world is, is a big achievement. They've got a young crop of players that are used to winning things um, under 17s world cup under 20 or under 19 or under 20 um, tournament winners as well they're used to winning things gareth southgate loves playing them he gives everyone a chance and for the first time since i'd say 2006 there there is a bit of optimism about england now i mean look you know bob every single major tournament england go into the media go into an absolute frenzy and it's faux optimism you know, England fans, every tournament, it's faux optimism. But now I think there can there can be uh, some calls for genuine optimism 
um, about this, the current crop of players. There's so much depth in the squad now that I, I, I honestly think that England have got a chance of winning the next major tournament. And, you know, people are going to shout me down. They're going to go, oh, here he goes again. England fans again, blah, 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 blah. But look, if you, if you look at that team and, and look at the depth that that team have got, there's, there's two or three sides that, they, that England can put out. It's absolutely ridiculous at the minute. What are your, what are your thoughts on England at the moment, Paul? Um, I'll be brutally honest. Don't watch a massive amount of them because um, usually they play the same thing with Scotland. But uh, I, th- I think you're right in the fact that they've got quite a lot of, a lot of strength and depth that they maybe didn't have before. Um, for all, Southgate kind of gets picked on by the press and maybe certain certain types of fans, which I generally think is more down to his personality rather than how he's what he's done in the job. Um, he's not scared to put youngsters in. He obviously has that crop that's come through and is still coming through. And and rather than kind of stick with the tried and tested that a lot of managers do, he's given them a go and, and that kind of it's paying dividends. So obviously, like a lot of these guys are playing at their club level, they're playing really good for the club level, but they're also doing it international level, and he's given them a chance to do it. Whereas previously, you'd have other managers, generally applies across the board, not just England, because Scotland have been quite bad for it as well. You'll pick guys in form, and it doesn't really matter what age they are. So if you're good enough, you get picked. And that seems to pay a lot of dividends. And it's probably been a good thing for the team as well, that rather than just having the same old faces that maybe aren't performing or anything like that, someone here that's going to take your place. So you've got to be on your toes to make sure you can keep your place, hold that place down and get yourself playing internationally. Definitely. I 100% agree with you. And if, if players like Jack Grealish, can't get into the starting lineup, then it, it must say how how good England are. I mean, this young crop as well that England have got, they're, they're not just they don't just sit at home and uh, the comfort blanket of the Premier League. So they're travelling abroad. Look at Jadon Sancho and what he's, what he's done at Dortmund. Um, they're getting used to like styles of play in different countries as well, which is which is good for one good for their development and two, it means that to them it's easy to suss their opponents out at international level because they've played amongst them. So I'm always an advocate for for British players, English, Scots, Irish, Welsh, to to go abroad and and try their hand there and learn the way they play, learn their style, learn their learn the culture, what they eat, how they train, and you know they've got that now in their mindset. They're like, right, the Germans do this, the Italians do this, and they do. whereas before you had your Lampards and Gerrards, great players, etc. But it, it was the old guard of 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 players that you know had that comfort blanket and they didn't really, obviously they did well in European competition, but they weren't playing week in, week out amongst these guys, you know? So look, I'm, I'm genuinely a lot more optimistic about England these days than I have been for a long, long time. Um, but, but we're going to, we're going to move on to Scotland now who i am got a lot of optimism about and a, a lot of the fans have as well. Scotland fans, um, the game against Israel, it was a dire affair. Let's 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 put it straight. It was it was absolutely diabolical. But a win's a win. At the end of the day, it's progression. Scotland are in the final, one game away from the first tournament in 22 years. Bob, do you think what are the chances? Do you do, do you think Scotland could pull off a result in Serbia? <laughs> uh, I've seen that script before. Um, 
anything's possible in a winner game, I guess. Um, they're quite strong, I think, especially in the middle. Um, it'll really depend on how we can go, if we can keep a lot of the players that have been playing regularly. I mean, Steve Clark set up the team to make them pretty hard defensively, which was very obvious by the Israel game, which was undoubtedly one of the worst games of football had ever endured. You know, it was terrible. It was terrible. Um, but what, what he's done is he's clearly tried to make the team hard hard to break down, which he's managing. And you saw some kind of shoots in, in the Slovakia game of trying to attack a little bit more. And by all accounts so far tonight, we're, we're playing a lot better uh, moving forward than we have previously. So it, it'll yeah. be tough. It'll be tough. I mean, going to Serbia, if, if there have been fans in there, then that would have really made it more difficult. The fact there probably won't be fans in there um, probably takes a little bit of pressure off, I guess. There's not going to be that kind of cauldron-like atmosphere you normally get there. It'll be tough. We've always got a chance in a one-off game. Um, fingers crossed is probably where I'd go with that. I'm, I, I'm never going to be an optimist for Scotland. I've seen it too many times. <laughs> you know, I, I am fortunate enough to have been old enough to see the country qualify for major tournaments. Um, but obviously we'll not qualify since 1998. I mean, that's more than half my life. So yeah. um, it's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be tough, fingers crossed. Um, but I don't think we should necessarily be too downhearted if we don't. Um, and for a very simple reason of we've actually been playing okay and the results have been better than normally they would be. So it's not like when we go into, say, like a usual European group and we end up like third or fourth because we lose away to Lithuania or throw away Estonia or something like that. You know, we've actually been going against teams, playing well, winning games. So we'll, we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see is probably where I'm going to go. I'm going to sit on the fence, I think. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, what concerns me about Scotland is the fact that Steve, I mean, I've, I've looked at every game. I've looked at the team sheet. Maybe two or three players are guaranteed starters, but, you know, it's always, it seems to be like there's always a different team out there. And if I, if I was taking a team to somewhere like Serbia, where it's not just difficult for Scotland, it's difficult for the top teams in the world to go and win in a place like Serbia. So I, 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 would, I would have, against Slovakia and Czech Republic, maybe have kept the, the same start in 11 or the strongest start in 11 possible and gel them and have them on form all playing together for that Serbia game so they, know, so they know each other better. Now, that's my take on it anyway, but it, it's, definitely, it's definitely going forward for Scotland. Look, it, it's, not, it's not that pleasing on the eye, but what do fans expect? I mean, you just, you just got to ta- take it. You've got to take the roller coaster. Wins are wins at international. If you haven't qualified for a tournament for 22 years, do not moan that you've just beaten Israel on penalties to qualify for a game where you're only one game away from qualifying for the first major tournament in 22 years. I, I saw just loads of people moaning about it on Twitter. And it's just like, well, don't moan. You're winning games. It's 1-0. It's ugly. Arsenal did it in, back in the day. Um, boring, boring Arsenal. They won games. They got the job done. I, I know we, we expect as football fans these days, fast-flowing football, end-to-end stuff. It's exciting. Yes, it is. But sometimes you just got to bite your tongue and think, you know what? I'll take that all day long. All day long. And 
Scotland now are in a, a position to to qualify. And I, I honestly think that we can go to Serbia and get a result. But it's, it, 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 you can't keep toying around with the team too much. Um, I think Fraser should be a definite. From what I've seen tonight, Fraser and Dykes up top, definitely for Scotland in Serbia. 100%. Yes. Yeah, I'm not complaining about that. I think um, London Dykes has, has performed pretty well in the games he's played for Scotland so far. Uh, there was there was a number of doubters, uh, and he, he's he's kind of shutting them up. You know, what's that, a couple of goals already. He's linking play up well. Um, he, he's kind of like that. Maybe that player of Scotland's missed so far for a number of years, um, and as long as he's got somebody to link up with, and um, like for example, the goal to David Fraser, which was a lovely goal there's probably good things going forward because that's been a problem for years, usually somewhere up front. So, fingers crossed. We'll see how it, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But for those complaining about the football was terrible, yes, it was terrible. Yes, that Israel game was probably one of the worst games you'll ever watch in your life. But if Scotland can shit-fest their way uh, to a national tournament, these very same people will be the first ones celebrating in the streets going to the fact that we're going to World Cup or our European Championships. Undoubtedly. Uh-huh. 100%. Um, totally agree with that. Um, we're going to move on now, Bob, to the corporate monster that is the English Premier League. Now, we don't give them very good airtime on this show at all. And we're going to continue not to, to be honest. Um, look, it's been the headlines this week, major headlines, about an EPL power grab um, by a certain six clubs in the Premier League. Um, basically, what they want to do is reduce the Premiership to 18 teams. You had, you had Rick Parry saying to the fans and clubs to look at the bigger picture. Uh, £250 million would be advanced from the EPL to the EFL clubs with 8.5% of broadcast revenue used to operate the EPL to help fund the FA and for inverted commas, other good causes, apparently. Bob, what is your take on all of this? Um, it's... I know... Guys, there's a statement that came out earlier where the Premier League is uh, has gone against it, but we still want to we still want to talk about it. Um, I, I think it kind of shows where some clubs are, and they're thinking about what they provide the game, and that you've got your big teams, so Man United, Liverpool, uh, who else would be there? Arsenal, Tottenham. Man City and who was the other one? There was somebody else. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea there, there you go, right? Who, who, who kind of believe they're somewhat above everybody else. And you, and you can kind of see that in their the machinations and how they talk to people and and whatnot. And what they tried to do, I think, with that, that money they were going to give the, the EFL was almost like a bribe. As if they say, right, this is what you're going to do. We're going to give you this money because you're really struggling just now because of COVID. So what we'll yeah. let us do what we want to do, and you can have your money. So it was almost like a bribe, and everybody's going to saw through it pretty quickly, I think. Um, Thank God. Well, because perhaps, perhaps, yeah. perhaps there's obviously going to be. What well, I, I suppose if you're going to be slightly devil's advocate, you could almost say this was their initial move and in what was going to be a longer game. So this is what you're going to do. We'll give you money. Then go. You're not going to get it, but we're still going to give you money. So it's probably just a way to finally get the EFL some money, or preferably, as I heard today, 
to give League One and League Two money and exclude the Championship because I think the, the, the main problem for a lot of Premier League owners is that the collective wealth of the Championship, of owners of the Championship, exceeds those of the Premier League. So they're going to be asking, why should we give money to these rich owners? And not all of them are rich, obviously. When there's teams further down the chain who probably could use the money more. So I can see that argument. Um, I think the way they kind of went about it was absolutely diabolical. Um, yeah. Totally. Um, look, it, it, to me, it just seems like corporate tyranny. That it, It's like, we'll grab the whole pot. Yeah. But we'll drip, we'll drip Fuji little bits as and when, just to just to keep you alive, just so you can keep your head above water. It's it, it happens in the country as a whole, Bob. Do you know what I mean? And now this is happening in sport. This is happening in football. The game we love, the working man and woman's game. Yeah, and it, it, Ian Holloway summed it up perfectly yesterday in his rant. I love Holloway. Um, it's just greed, pure and utter greed by these certain six clubs. And we'll just we'll just drip free you. There you go. You can have that. Shut up money. Have some shut up money. There you go. That's that's how I see it, mate. Honestly, that's how I see it. I, I don't really disagree, to be honest. I, I, th- I think we've we've said enough how much of a corporate monster the Premier League's become, and how much the the, the gap between the haves and the have notes uh, is getting. And even when you go outside that top six to eight clubs and you start going further down the Premier League, there's even big chasms between the leagues. Now, for all we complain about Scotland and Celtic and Rangers, and they're on a different level compared to the rest, if you take that by doubling the amount of clubs that they've got in the English Premier League compared to almost doubling the clubs in the SPL, it's roughly the same amount of number of those above to the haves and the have-nots. You know? So the, the, pro- yeah. the problem the problem isn't just the Premier League. The Premier, the, the, they're just kind of a symptom of what football has become over the last 30 years. Right, and we can all say, "Oh, look, here we go. There they are again, the good old days and all that kind of stuff." I'm not saying that football can't progress and it can't modernise and it can't, you know, bring in lots of money. It's how you go about your business to get the money. I think that sticks in the craw for a lot of people. Like we mentioned enough, like you're an NBA fan, I'm an NHL fan, and all that kind of stuff. Yet some of their business practices over there aren't particularly nice, but there is at times a common good. And they come together at times for a common good, all of these leagues in North America. And I know it's slightly different because it's closed leagues and all this kind of stuff. But you very rarely see that in football, especially at the top levels compared to lower levels. You, you see it more when you start going to individual clubs, you know, when you go to lower league clubs and some of them stick together and all this kind of stuff. But for some reason, high, especially higher up football, it just seems to go, disappear. And it's not just amongst those that own the clubs. It's amongst a lot of fans as well. It's like, why should we be helping them? Because without, yeah. the, without the ones further down, you tend, you, a lot of these people are going to struggle. Because lot, like, even just shown how many EFL players going into the Premier League times, which I'll come on to, how many were currently on the England national side and all this kind of stuff. There's a huge number. And if you start taking these EFL teams out and they start going, going out of business, the game is going to struggle as a whole, regardless of what the Premier League looks like. Yeah, um, look, I totally, totally agree with you, Bob. It's uh, it's become so far removed from. I, I watched a um, a video on Facebook yesterday morning. Actually, it was a Liverpool fan outside Anfield, 
talking about the atmosphere in uh, at games and stuff like that. And uh, he was saying it's it's gone so far away now from what the football club was orig- originally intended to be. So look, a lot of these football clubs were intended to be for like. It, like Heart of Midlovian, for example, was for the the, the, the guys from the dancing club um, down at the Meadows, right? And then you've got teams like Tottenham um, was for the local students. Um, and that's why they're called the Hotspur Football Club. You've got Liverpool that were for the for the working men, local working men. Celtic was set up for the for the local poor. Okay, this is what these clubs were initially set up for, right? So. Now, if if you if you cut that out and ask ask someone in the modern day that doesn't know that, what are they going to tell you? They're going to tell you uh, uh, they're going to uh, uh, I don't know uh, uh, because no one knows anymore. All these modern EPL fans they don't know what their club is meant for, what their club was originally meant for, because it's been pulled so far away from that. So what what are they for now? Who are they for? They're not for the they're not for the working men. They're not for the fans. They're not for the poor of an area anymore. Okay, clubs do Celtic do. Um, I know they're not in an EPL, but they do a food bank thing and and stuff like that. And the Green Brigade do quite a lot for their local community. But that's that's the fans having to do that. Yeah, um, that's the fans having to organise that. These clubs just don't care anymore. It's a corporate play thing. Um, in the English Premier League, forget the old firm. The the in the English Premier League. And it's just, it disgusts me. And what they're doing now, I'm going to move on to this point as well about the, about the top clubs. Uh, they're hoarding players, Bob. They, I, I was reading a loan report the other week and I really wanted to bring this up on the show. Um, I, I, looked at, I looked at how many players Chelsea have got out on loan that are, are homegrown. I think it's something like 15 or 16 out of the 21, 22 players have got out on loan. And I think to myself now, and this happens with a lot of players, they, they buy these players up from, from teams like Accrington and Rochdale and, 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 and teams like that. And then they don't, they don't play them. They, don't, they have no intention whatsoever of putting them in the first team and giving them their chance. Or they might get a, 10 minutes off the bench in the, in the Carabao Cup one night. right? And then you'll never see them again because they'll go out on loan and they keep going. There's players that have been out, out on loan for four or five years. Now it's just it's just hoarding them. It's like we, he's ours, but we'll just drip feed him you like they do like like that power grab with the money. Yeah, there's a player to shut you up. There's your player. You can have him back for a bit to shut you up. Yeah, but he's ours, not yours anymore. He's ours. Okay, and Chelsea. I'm going to pick on Chelsea, reverting back to back to Chelsea again. Um, transfer embargo. All the homegrown players carried them to fourth in the league, plus the, plus the foreign-born players as well that are in the team. Um, now, now they're only starting three a game on the bench. When when players like Pulisic come back, that's that's probably probably mount out the team because you've got Werner, Ziak, and all them that have come in. Ziak, sorry, um, he's currently injured. I think he'll be back soon. But when he's back, that, uh, where's the place for these boys? Are they going to send them out on loan? Like Barkley sent him on loan, on loan to Villa, a team in the same division. Strange behaviour. I'll I, I never say, send a player on loan to a team in the same division. They're competing against you twice a season. Why would you do that? 
Um, I, Bob, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Ryan Sessegnon's the same. He's gone to Hoffenheim now. Great player at Fulham. Fantastic young player. I thought, do you know what? England's future on the left, right here. This guy. No. Tottenham, Tottenham take him. They hardly play him. Yes, he was injured for a little bit. I think it's about six months. Um, they hardly play him. Apparently, he's not good enough. So they've punted him out on home to Hoffenheim. So if, if he's not good enough in the first place, why buy him? I don't get it, Bob. I really don't. Um, it, uh, it might not quite be as black as white as black and white as saying he's not good enough. Why buy him? Because you're going to be looking at players and thinking maybe at the time they are good enough. It just so happens that when you get them and you may be playing them a couple of times, they aren't. Now, I'm not a huge, massive fan. Not- I'm not, I am not a fan at all of the way teams, and it's not just the big teams, a lot of smaller clubs do this as well. The buy players or younger players, they keep them about until they're like, I don't know, from about 16 to 21 or something, and they'll loan them out, and they'll loan them out, and they'll loan them out. And they've got no intention of ever playing them. It's like, so why keep them? This is what, this is what I'm saying. Hold on, I'm not, no, give me two seconds. So why play them? Either give them a chance or just let them go. On the other side of that, there'll be a lot of clubs who will tell you, lower down the chain, that without these teams coming in and buying their players, they're not going to survive. Because they, they need transfer fees to survive. Even if it's just whatever, the few hundred grand or the a couple of million here and a couple of million there, that's what keeps them going and sustains them. It might not be good, it might not look pretty, but there's probably some there's some reason that a lot of these teams do that. Um, in terms of me, obviously just finishing law and doing sports law as, a, as one of my modules, I remember my lecture saying that there was something very, what's the best way to put this? Something very unbecoming about having to take all these young players and just keeping them and not doing anything with them. There's something like wrong about that. It's not just letting, not letting them develop at their clubs and all this kind of stuff. The way you kind of just hold, it's just like holding for no apparent reasons if they say, but I can just take you. I can just take you when I want. Right? And that's how it looks a lot of the time. And the optics on it sometimes are absolutely terrible. I just, I, I, I find yeah. it personally really uncomfortable the way they, they treat some of these young players and say, right, you're going to come in, you're going to, they're going to offer them tens of thousands of pounds a week. Look, anybody in that position would take it, you know? Let's put our hands up. If you were offered tens of thousands of pounds a week, you would take it as well, plus a signing own fee, plus whatever comes with that. Maybe get your dad a job or, or you buy your parents a house, whatever, these kind of things. So a lot of young players would, would take that but I think they, they kind of sometimes see the pound signs rather than what they're going to get plane-wise. And that's a real shame for a lot of guys because they end up just falling by the wayside. They might not even get a, a move to a, a decent enough club after they've been at one of these big clubs simply because they're not played. So you don't know what they're like. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, it's they're just holding them as commodities. Um, it, it, it's greed at the highest level of greed. I, I'm, I'm sick to death of it. I've had enough. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to say, if you support a team from this league, I am sorry. Um, but the EPL is now banned. 
from this podcast until things sort itself out. We're sick of it. We're done with it. We've had enough of it. The English Premier League, unless it needs to be bashed now and again, because we don't mind doing that. Um, I've had enough. It's gone. The EPL's banned. I'm sorry. It, it has to be because it's out of control. It was it was getting out of control slowly in the in, in the early 2000s, um, and I've just I've just put up with it as you do as a football fan. You pay your Sky Sports every year, even though you moan about it. Um, your BT Sport and, and all that whatnot. But now I've I've got to the stage in life where I'm just like, no more Sky Sports. I'm not feeding this anymore. I'm I'm taking a personal stance and I'm not feeding this monster anymore. Sorry, Bob. Has to be done, mate. Hey, I've got absolutely no complaints about that. I mean, we can carry on even more about some of the shenanigans they've had. I mean, even the pay-per-view system that we're going to have for games. I mean, I can't fathom. Again, this I'm almost like a broken record on the show every time we speak about it. Why aren't they giving the season ticket holders free access to games? Why do they not just have a streaming package, like a whole, like a whole big massive one, and just black out games that are on Sky and and, and BT, like the like the NFL do and the NHL do, right? If you're going to really charge them, fifteen pound a game—that's an absolute rip off, man. So what you're asking season ticket holders to do, right, is pay for the season ticket, which is hundreds of pounds, isn't it? Thousands for some teams. You're saying you can't get in grounds at the minute. So what you're going to have to do is either get a Sky Sports subscription and a BT subscription and £15 on top of that on a pay-per-view basis for the games that Sky and BT don't take. That's absolutely disgraceful. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. £15 per game. What you get? You want to see your team what three times a month or, or whatever it is. You're going to pay the money, aren't you? And then plus your Sky Sports subscription. I think mine was about 30-odd, 40 quid on top of my... Um, on top of my TV and broadband package and stuff like that. That's a lot of money to people. People are losing their jobs. If these got, if, if these, it's that league got no shame whatsoever. There's people, there's thousands of people losing their jobs every single day. They just don't care. They do not care about anybody. It is a disgrace and they are banned. Bob, we're moving on, moving on to um, a debate we had a, a couple of shows ago about uh, the Let Fans In campaign where I, I, I uh, was a big advocate for letting letting fans back in and you were as well, but, uh, you know, with, 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 in, within reason and, and stuff like that with, with the right protocols and if, if fans could follow those protocols properly and things like that, you know, which was a, a great argument from yourself. Fans have been allowed back in in England at non-league level um, below Conference South. Um, fans are still not allowed in at Scotland in any capacity whatsoever. The fans that have been going to games in England, not all of them, you know, and we're not tiring you all with the same brush here. They haven't really been following the protocols. They've not been playing the game, have they, Bob? Uh, no. Uh, very simply, like we, we've, we've both seen the photos um, you, you're less cautious on letting fans in than I am. Um, and I've had these discussions on Twitter with various people as well. 
both mm-hmm. seen the pictures, we've both seen the videos, right? There's too many fans currently in the lower leagues in England, or the non-leagues, I should say, in England, who are not following protocols and guidance. And that is they are not social distancing and they are not wearing masks, right? Now, yes, we all know transmission outside is distinctly lower, but it would make it would be very good for the optics if people could wear the masks, right? Governments in Britain do not need an excuse to shit on football fans, right? And here we are, yeah. football fans not paying attention to protocols and by extension, clubs not enforcing the rules. But I've got some sympathy with that because at those levels, it's generally going to be club volunteers and it's probably going to be more hassle than it's worth for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Although public health should never be too much hassle, but you know what I mean. If football fans want some kind of modicum of respect and to be let back in the game, is just play the fucking game. It's not difficult. It's 90 minutes of your life. Maybe, well, maybe a bit longer, two hours if you go into the game, you know? Pay attention to the rules for two hours. And then you'll start seeing people coming flooding back. So while I I fully appreciate the ire that a lot of governments are getting, especially in Scotland, I totally understand it. At the same point, the evidence so far isn't looking particularly good. That's not to say up in Scotland that if fans were to get a chance, they wouldn't pay attention to the rules. And I'm not saying that all football fans are going to act like total tools. Right? But if you want governments to try and follow for you and be on your side, you kind of have to play the game a little bit. And football fans currently at the minute in the non-leagues in England are not doing that. No. Um, I, I, I see videos all the time of fans celebrating behind goals. Yeah, football is a knee-jerk reaction game. It's a passionate game. You're going to celebrate. But guys, hashtag United. Yes, you guys. If you whatever you are yeah um it's not a proper football club is it but fair play for your effort a little cup run or whatever um don't don't all bundle behind the goals and, and stuff like that and and, and slaver all over each other and without masks on so just look guys just just play the game if you play the game and play them at their own game more likely to listen it just just stop keep your distance just the more you the more you behave yourselves it's going to look better for football as well because as as bob said for the government and the authorities would do absolutely anything to get a bad headline out of football they've been doing it for years anything so especially your red tops they love it they love it forget what's going on in the world Someone threw something at a football match, uh, a bottle of water, and it landed on the pitch. That's front page news, apparently. Um, a plastic bottle of water. But, guys, you just got to play the game. Play the game for a little while. I know it's boring, yeah? I, I, I'm sick of it. I want to be allowed back in a football ground, all right? Now, Nicola Sturgeon is sat in a £521 a day. She's getting wages in her office. Looking at looking at that, and thinking, nah. Do you know what? Nah, I'll just keep it how it is. So, for every time that everyone else is is not following the protocols, the rules, and regulations, 
other people around the UK are, are having to suffer for it. Um, I know there's a lot of you that are following protocols. I've seen photos where people have been wearing masks, sat in the stand and stuff like that. Um, so that, that there are people out there. I'm not tying everyone with the same brush. Please, please don't think I'm not. Um, but we're, we're not going to get back in grounds in Scotland anytime soon. If, uh, if Mrs. Sturgeon keeps seeing images and videos of football, I mean, the coronavirus case rate doesn't help things, does it? Well, actually, I, that doesn't help things. I, I, I was just going to mention, I was hopefully you were going to mention that because there's a lot of football fans currently. Um, I'll go into my, my slight mini rant about their attitudes in a second. There's many of them who are saying we should just let people in, like, good, like football people are saying we should let fans in case-by-case uh, case basis uh, or a region-by-region region basis, maybe do it like Germany, right? Now, Germany are only doing it in the regions uh, and for teams if the local region has a, a case rate of 35 per 100,000 or under, right? If yeah. you were to do that in Scotland, 35 or under, if you take the top four leagues in Scotland you would get two teams allowed fans in, Ross County and Inverness. And in, yeah, and yeah, the Highland teams, right. yeah. Now, obviously, there's a wee bit more because you've got the Highland teams and whatever else, right? So I can understand them saying, like, let us in a few teams in the borders um, in terms of, of Lone League and, and further down the chain. But there's not one other region in Scotland that has a, 30, a case rate of under 35 per 100,000. Not one, Right. Where the majority of teams are in Scotland, which is roughly the central belt, we're talking roughly all of a, a, a total case rate of each of them over a hundred per per hundred thousand, and folk are champing at the bit to get people back in. So while I, while I fully want to go, I'm sick of watching it on streams. I'm absolutely dire. Right, I want to be back in the ground. I want to see my pals that I go to the football with. You know, I want to shout at referees. You know. I want to shout at players and all this kind of stuff. The banter that you can get at League Two football is superb, you know. But in the same respect, you need to balance this off against what some of the scientific evidence is telling you. Even on top of that, the, the World Health Organization, you've got it under control in your country if it's a positive case rate of 5% or under. Scotland's current positive rate is 16.4. That's three times as many. Right? So according to the World Health yeah. Organization, it's out of control in Scotland. Yet people, were, even today, Today's positive cases, the highest ever since this started, even more than March before we went into full lockdown. You know, so I can appreciate people wanting to get fans in. I'm desperate to do it myself, but at the same respect, you've got to sometimes look at the evidence and say it's not just people being nasty and saying you're not getting back in. Well, it'd be okay outdoors, we can do this social distancing. I mean, there's some other bullshit arguments that people say you shouldn't get in. Like, you'd be on public transport and all this kind of stuff. Well, people go be on public transport anyway. But in the same case, it doesn't really look good either when you're battling against scientific evidence in many ways as strong as it is. Well, look, I mean, I, I want fans back in, as you do. Um, I want fans back in now. I think fans should still be allowed in now. Um, so I'm going to go against that a little bit. If you put 100,000 people in a line and uh, 
I think it's about 100, yeah, you, as you're right. And 100 people have tested positive or, or, or they're positive cases, right? Now, that's what, 99,900 people that haven't got it. So if you look at it, that's how I look at it. Yeah, but you cannot, but, to be honest. And but I you think, have to look at it if they were all standing in the queue together with the R rate being at two, for every two, for every 100 people, yeah. they're going to pass it on to 200, and then 200 to 400 to 800 to 60, and it kind of goes up like that. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not quite, yeah, no, it's quite just, as simple just, as saying if you had all these in a queue, you know? That, as theoretically speaking, but I didn't actually fully genuinely mean for everyone, 100,000 people to stand in a queue. It's just, it's just, it's just a, a term of speech, really. I know that. People um, were thinking, oh, it's, you know, rather than you've got both sides of that argument, really, of this is how it could look. Because that's what people will be thinking. Be like, well, if I were to stand in a queue and there are so many people, I'll be fine. You don't actually know that. Yeah. But I think fans should be allowed in, even with this with this number. Um, but, but following protocols, following the guidance, and doing things the right way. Okay. So look, if you Celtics Celtic Stadium holds sixty thousand. Okay. If you had ten thousand people in, in at Celtic Park, dotted about, wearing masks, hand sanitizer, one in, one out the bog two metre social distancing at least, which could easily be implemented at, uh, in that ground. Um, temperature checks on the outside. I don't see anything. I, I don't see how you can not get people in for a game. I I just don't know how. And then I, I saw the other day, there was, a, there was an evening at the London Palladium. Everyone was wearing masks. The Palladium was packed. There was only one seat between everybody. That's not even two metres. It's not even one metre. It's about 30 centimetres between everybody. It was rammed. But that was allowed. But I can't even go down and watch the local non-league side. You can't even go and watch Edinburgh City. You know, a club like Edinburgh City, that that, that needs every penny it can get. Um, good, honest club that want to get up the leagues and, and progress the right way organically. Um, they're being denied the right of that at the moment. Um, because we're we're not allowed in football grounds. and uh, But you're allowed to... There's a trampoline centre down the road for me, right? They're allowed people in there. I don't get that. How are they allowed to... How, how is the trampoline centre allowed to be open? Indoors? Yeah, it's booking It's booking only, but they still have a, a, a certain amount of folk in there. It's not going to be one in, one out. How's that allowed? And I'm not allowed to stand, like, even more than two metres apart from someone a non-league football game with, uh, with 200 other people with a mask on, sanitising my hands again, um, checking my own temperature for before I go out of the house just to double check and make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm safe to make everyone else safe. Bob, it, it can't go on for much longer, mate. It, it really can't. But as we st- said right at the start, if fans in other parts of the United Kingdom, so to speak, and not following the protocols, other leaders and other authorities of other areas, I should say, are going to look at that and think, well, if they can't do it, our lot certainly aren't. So I'm going to keep that. I'll, we'll keep the gates shut. That's my that's my thinking. That's, that's what I think I, anyway. I, I don't really disagree with the majority of that. Um, if it were me, if it were me, although obviously on Twitter I'd be slightly devil's advocate about this, but 
I would prefer if you took it on a club by club basis, you know, assess what the club is like, how easy would it be for fans to get in and get out, what are your washing facilities like, because we know when it comes to football, some of the facilities are pretty terrible. Um, how, how can you social distance around the ground? Um, can you bend some of the rules? Like, for example, there's the SPFL rule that you can't stand in the grass banking, which for, for Spinber City playing at Ainsley Park can be quite difficult. But if you were to social distance, would they maybe just abandon that rule just until such times as we go back to normal, whatever that may be? Um, that, that would make far more sense if the government would allow us to do that. But they're yeah. not wanting to do that for whatever reason. And we can moan about theatres and all this kind of stuff as well. Um, it would just make more more kind of sense if we could do that. On on the other side of that, as I was going to come to, I think football fans on the whole, maybe not on the whole, that's going to be doing a disservice. There's quite a number of football fans and the way they're going about their business and trying to get back into the grounds isn't going to help their case. You know, football isn't the only sport that's getting shafted by this. Football's not the only sport that contributes to the economy. Football is not the only sport that contributes to a community. Now, yes, it might be on bigger scales, and yes, it might be at the place of heart for a lot more people than some other sports. But to these people that go to other sports, it means just as much to them. And not everybody likes football. And when you see some of the some of the comments that are online or even in person about, oh, so you like this sport. So, for example, me, I was told on social media, two gives a fuck about Speedway. doesn't make a difference. Just let it go by. Football needs to get the money. That's not going to help your case to get people back in. You know? You no. Know, it's, it's, even, even in terms of how much it contributes to the economy. I was looking at some numbers today, right? Now, you know me, I still like going clubbing, even though I'm in my 40s now. You know, still like going to see DJs. I still like going. I still like going for a wee dance and all that kind of stuff. Football has taken preference over nearly every kind of entertainment, very common entertainment section of society, because it shouts loudest and it's probably got a lot of fans, right? The top five leagues, mm-hmm. the top, the, the the top, well, the top five leagues include the National League as well and England, right? Bringing thirty million people per year, right? The nightclub industry brings in. Th- Four times that. The total revenue, according to, according to our friend on Google, uh, I think it's from Forbes, the total revenue of the top four leagues in England is $5.8 billion. The total revenue for nightclubs is 66 Nightclubs have 66, 66 billion. billion. The nighttime economy is worth £66 billion pounds to the UK. It's the fifth largest in the UK. I was watching an interview yesterday with Armando Iannucci and he came out with a stat, I couldn't believe it, that the creative arts and industries, right, so theatres, comedy clubs, all these type of things, right, bringing more money than the oil and car industry can bind. Wow. I never knew, I never knew I that. Not, I don't think our listeners would have known <laughs> it. It was only because I was watching, I just so happened to watch a, a, an interview with Armando Iannucci yesterday, right? Now, if you're talking about who... The problem what COVID has done is that people think there's deserving and undeserving. It's like the, the whole case in politics and sociology about the deserving and undeserving poor, right? The way some football fans are going about it, and that's not to say they're all like, they're all like this, 
is that they believe that they should have everything and they should get priority over everybody because of this mythical way that everybody looks at football and it's so in, in the heart of the communities and all this kind of stuff. Well, there's lots of other stuff at the heart of the community too. You know, libraries that people go to because they don't have Wi-Fi in their own house and have to apply for jobs, you know? You can't celebrate a 90th minute winner in a library. No, Bob. you can't, but you can get yourself a job to make sure you can go and celebrate that 90th minute winner. Possibly. Right? <laughs> you know? You know? Yeah. Like, people may not go to the theatre and look at it as something kind of snobbish, and that's fine, but they still add a lot to communities that go there. They still add a lot to the overall well-being of the country. You know, other sports in particular, and I'll say that now because obviously I'm, a, I'm an ice hockey fan. That is my favourite sport. Um, and obviously I like other sports. To be told by football fans that my sport is worthless is absolutely disgusting, right? And, it, and if you're wanting people on your side to get your argument, to get people back in stadiums, right, you're going to have to be somewhat more humble about your position and hope that people start following that argument. I mean, even last week, the East of Scotland FA had to put out a tweet reminding people that not everybody likes football and the way people were arguing about it is turning people off football's case to get people back in. Yeah. You yeah. Football fans yeah. cannot carry on, some football fans anyway, cannot carry on the way they're going and expect that people are just going to fall at their feet because it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree, Bob. Um, look, football fans, tweet us in at Cathedral underscore Sport. Talk to us about this. What are, what are your views? Everything that we've just spoken about, about hashtag let fans in, we need to know your views. We need your feedback. We want to speak to you, okay? So tweet us in with what you think, especially about what Bob said. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it on one more thing about that. I'm going to say, guys, be humble, Okay. As Bob said, there are other sports as well, chomping at the bit to get back in. Basketball being a big one of them. Who have, have there's a petition going just to get one million pounds in funding. Basketball has over six hundred and sixty thousand active players in the UK, registered players. Okay, and they're having to apply for just one million pounds to keep the British Basketball League alive. Come on, guys, let's have a bit of perspective. Let's have a bit of respect. We love our sport. We love football. Football is our is our passion. Football is a lot of football. A lot of people. Football is their life. But with that, just think about others. Right? That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. And follow the protocols as well. Yeah. So I can get back in a football ground. Bob can get back in a football ground. My mate up the road, he's seventy odds. He wants to get back in a football ground. Anyway, Bob, is there anything more you want to touch on in this show? Um, it's been quite a heated one, mate. It's been quite um, quite controversial, actually. I quite like that, to be honest. Long may it continue. For once, it's not both of us arguing with each other. It's kind of both of us discussing what other people have been saying and how they're approaching it rather than our own viewpoints, you know? It's just one of those things, because it asks me quite a lot. I'm going to go for a mini rant again, I think. Um, because... because Football's not always been my number one sport. It kind of irks me because I've had this my entire life and I've been told that if you don't like football, you're essentially an idiot. You know, who cares about everything else? And all this has done is bring home just how selfish a lot of football fans really are. And they're, they're just, they're, they're totally unaware of everything else that goes on around. 
And because of that, people are starting to resist. And it won't just be governments, it'll be people on the street. Right? And if you start losing the people on the street, then your argument is done. So on that note, yeah. on that on that note, have a think about things, people. Thoroughly enjoyed that. We'll see you all again soon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's uh he said a lot tonight, Bob. Um again, tweet us in at cathedral underscore sport and let us know what your thoughts are, especially about things like Scotland as well, chances against Serbia. I want to hear some Scotland fans. I want to hear England fans as well about the about the genuine optimism now. And as well, I, I really want people to talk to us about the what we spoke about, about the EPL clubs hoarding players in and not, not playing them and putting them out on loan for like five or six years and you never hear of them again and stuff like that and putting them on the scrap heap and Look, guys, you, you know it happens. Don't deny it. Please don't deny it. There's, I ha, I've had a denier. I, I've had to deal with a denier about all this this week, right? It was bloody hard work. Made some good points some, sometimes. It was bloody hard work. So just 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 tweet us in, guys, or, or, or DM us or whatever. Uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you, as we, as we always do. We always reply. Guys, we're going to close the show now. Um, thank you very much again to the 1934 Club of Muscle Braflake uh, for sponsoring the show. You've been absolutely superb to us. Everyone down there has been absolutely great. Uh, we're on all the available platforms. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Please give us a listen as and when you can. Tomorrow night, I'm interviewing Gary, the Governor Furby. That's been sponsored by Debsey of Derby. Um, bare Knuckle Boxer, former pro boxer as well, author, and he's got a film coming out as well. Plenty to discuss and to promote. Next week, we interview Paul McElvenner, uh, Fulham super fan, been all over Europe with Fulham, got some brilliant stories to tell uh, as well. So y- y- you're going to love him, guys. You really are. Um, also, another thing, this is no obligation, by the way, guys. Um, you're still going to get the same content um, and improving content, so to speak. You're still going to get shutters for, for absolutely nothing, free of charge. But if you, if you can and want to kindly donate to our content, um, we do have a PayPal account, paypal.me forward slash cathedral sport, not cathedral of sport, cathedral sport. Um, and we, we, we take, we take donations. Give, it's give what you can whenever you can. Guys, again, absolutely no obligation um, whatsoever. You don't have to pay anything, but a, a kind gesture is a kind gesture. And I know it's hard at the moment. So we're not, we're not like you must pay or else. <laughs> um, but thanks for those that have, that have, donated thanks to those that have sponsored and and thank you all the guys that even if you haven't done that thank you very much for listening as well we're now over 2,000 listens we want to hit 5k that's our next target um so it's phenomenal we only started this in august didn't even dream of where this will be um so so soon so to speak so bob again you have a lovely week mate thanks very much you too Thanks very much, Bob. Guys, stay safe.